0: It's nerve wracking when I think you're walking onto the field, the game hasn't started and the national anthems are going Mm. and you're watching the crowd react to all of it, but the minute that the competition starts, for, for most of us, it's business as usual.
1: Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. I'm here bringing you episode three today. And this is a really fun one. I decided to put my husband, Eric, in the hot seat because he is a professional athlete. He plays soccer for Toronto FC. He is number 15, a central defender. And I thought it would be fun to talk to him about what it's like to be a professional athlete and his mentality. So we go into a little bit about his journey to becoming a pro. And then we go through in a decent amount of detail a day in the life of Eric and what that kind of looks like for him. We talk a lot about the ways that he maximizes his performance, including nutrition and how important sleep is to him and then all of the sort of people that help support him and keep his body healthy. We also talk about how he handles the pressure of needing to perform on the field in front of a massive crowd. Eric has the most amazing approach to being a professional athlete. I am constantly so inspired by his perspective on life and the way that he really focuses on the things that are important to him. I hope you all really enjoy hearing from him. I think this is a fun little glimpse into our relationship and what our lives are on a day-to-day basis. Did you always know you wanted to be a professional soccer player?
0: Or oh, just jumping right in. We're jumping this. in,
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you want to do like small talk first?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I felt like we could get to know each other a little bit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You better be careful. I feel like you're kind of in the hot seat so I can ask you anything. I,
0: I am. I gotta be honest, I'm more nervous for this uh, podcast than I've ever been before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ever before? Yeah. Including on the field?
0: It's like or
1: you just mean in a speaking engagement? No,
0: in a speaking engagement. Wow. I've done many of these things before, but you know, I feel like I'm really on the hot seat in this one. <laughs> it's
1: Cause you know I ask hard questions.
0: So what was your hard question?
1: My hard question was, did you always know you wanted to be a professional soccer player?
0: I always loved playing soccer. Uh, I started when I was really young. I started playing all kinds of sports. I started playing soccer. I started playing basketball. Oh
1: yeah, you wanted to be a basketball player when you were younger. If I could have it my way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: But basketball and soccer were the ones that stuck. I started to realize as I got older that I could actually choose one of these and potentially make a life out of it. Unfortunately, I stopped growing. Uh, and so the <laughs> so basketball was out of the question. <laughs> out of the question. <laughs> uh, I was always hopeful that I could be a soccer player, but uh, I was never sure.
1: So you played when you were really young. You played through junior high, but you were still playing basketball at that point. You played in high school, you went to university. At what point during all of this did you realize oh shit, I could be a pro?
0: Could be or would be?
1: Could be. Like when did when did that thought enter your head?
0: When I was 14 years old, I was chosen and also made a decision myself to go down to Florida to the U.S. residency program. Um, and there it's basically 40 kids who are chosen to represent the United States in the U-17 World Cup. While there, I sort of learned what it was like to be a pro, what it was like to basically dedicate every day uh, of your week towards becoming a better soccer player, mm-hmm. whereas before, it was almost like a fun engagement for me on the on, on three days a week or four days a week, and then I got to play on the weekends. You were mostly,
1: all... yeah, you were mostly being a normal kid, yeah. you are mostly being a student, Exactly, and then you got to play soccer, but here... Yes. It was like soccer was the thing. Oh, and it was with my friends,
0: and now I'm with people that I didn't choose or hadn't continued to choose to play with me, but more people, everybody else chose. When I went there and realized I could sort of hang at that level and then watched people that I was peers with on a day-to-day basis start to become very successful, I started to realize that I wasn't as far away as maybe I had thought I might have been a few years prior, and so... It took a lot of roads to get there, but I think that might have been the first time I realized that I could potentially see a career in life in this.
1: That's when it got really real.
0: That's when it got really real. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people always told me, but...
1: Yeah, was that a conversation when you were younger?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that people always saw it for me, maybe even before I saw it for myself. You know, I think becoming a professional athlete a lot of times is always... It, it, I should say is never really being satisfied with where you're at because ultimately mm. every day is a chance to get better and if you think I'm good enough at fourteen, I can promise you you don't have a chance.
1: So did you always have that mentality, that mentality of well I can always do something better, I could have been better. Yeah,
0: I think that was bestowed upon me from from my dad. Mm. I think and and we've talked about this before. Like after every game, it was not about. How well you did, even when I was the best player on the field, it was about what what can you do better. That's a professional mentality, ultimately. Um, and That's a hard mentality. On. Yeah, for That's sure. Tough. For yeah. sure. It's one that I am grateful for now, but during the time, it, it's hard. You're you're a kid. You don't really get it. At least as an American, I think there's a lot of Europeans who grow up in professional environments at earlier ages and. Europe and England and Spain and Germany and some of these countries you're in a professional environment at age eight and we're, we're striving to get there in this country we're a lot further along than we were when I was eight but you know I, I was a kid I was a kid who wanted to hang out with my friends and, and play basketball and do all the other things that all the other American kids did too and so but um,
1: little did you know you're being molded into this little professional
0: <laughs> I guess that's true I guess that's true
1: I know this of you, but family has always been a huge part of your life. Family is very important to you. How did your family shape you becoming a pro athlete?
0: Uh, the, the short version of it is just the support that they gave me. I think I always knew that I had them in my corner and they were going to help me make the right decisions all the time. I mean, when you're 14 years old and you're a mom... Oh my gosh, I
1: know, and she's shipping her kid off to Florida. Can you imagine?
0: No. Exactly, and so my dad and my mom to be able to come together and help me realize that that was the best thing for me at that time was a tough decision, and I think that is a microcosm of just how much support I was given to become the person I am today and the, and the athlete I am today and so without that support it's really difficult I had an interesting dynamic because my dad was my coach all the way up until I was 14 years old and, and shipped off down to Florida if you want to call it that but <laughs> <laughs>
1: what did they throw you in a box <laughs> tape you <laughs> up <laughs> well, it was like the
0: go. first time I ever left house and got on a plane by myself so yeah wow it.
1: and you're going to go live
0: yeah. yeah um but uh but I also you know it's important that you have your mom driving you to and from practice and things like that and so you need them both Uh, you need more than that I I had an older brother who I competed with on a Mm day-to-day basis who also played soccer I had a, a good combination that allowed me to grow in the best way possible I think
1: you have professional influences from both sides your dad played professionally but then you've got that influence from your mom's side as well did that make a difference I think so. I it, And can you tell everyone the influence from your mom's side? Because not everyone will know. That's true. My, <laughs> Let's not assume. The,
0: the influence on my mom's side is Greg Banning, who well, happens to be my head coach here at Toronto FC. And as somebody that has also been an important part of my career, I mean, he was first and foremost an inspiration for me.
1: This is your uncle. My uncle, yeah. yes.
0: And I think without describing it as one side and the other side, I think mm-hmm. it was too... Two different generations of pros. The game evolves constantly. My dad was a coach for Greg, so he helped shape Greg's soccer mind, I believe, and I was able to actually watch Greg's career as opposed to my dad's career. I was too young. Mm. My dad was done, but I was fully inspired by watching Greg play. I can remember being a young age in Columbus Crew Stadium, the same stadium that still stands today, believe it or not and then watching him play for the national team and just basically a a perfect example and influence of somebody who was living my dream at the time and somebody that I could watch who was close to me have success. And so he paid attention to me from a young age. He sort of saw something special in me, I think. And so as my career started to come closer towards becoming a career, he became almost like an advisor to me.
1: Uh, So fast forward to now, you've been in the league how many years?
0: This is year seven.
1: You're not yeah. old enough for that shit. I know. How did that happen?
0: Not a lot of college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you know. I yeah. went to college for a year and a half. Again, had to make a hard decision. Do I stay in college or do I start this journey now? Again, with great advisors and great support from my family and, and the people I loved around me. It felt like the right moment and so I went for it.
1: Was it the right call to leave at that time?
0: I think so. I mean, I think if I was advising myself as a 19, 20 year old kid then, I think the more years you can get in a professional environment, the better. And I had just won a national championship in college. How better than to end your, your, your college career and represent my home state of Indiana. I think mm-hmm. there was no better way in terms of ending my college career that way. But also I felt like it was the time I, I needed to make the next step. As amazing as college is for your development as a person, it's a whole nother ballgame when it, when it comes to the pros.
1: Talk me through your day-to-day right now. What does a day look like, a non-game day look like for you? This was a listener question. People are wondering what uh, you do when you're not playing a game.
0: <laughs> people are going to love my, my schedule. Uh, I love my schedule. I love your schedule. Can I have your schedule? <laughs> so I'm up about 8 o'clock. Do the things I need to do around the house to get ready for for going to work, like What's that? like any normal person, taking my dog out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, making a coffee,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, just preparing my mind and my body to go to work. Um, and then I have about a thirty minute commute into work. And okay. from the minute I walk in that door, the work starts. That includes giving myself the proper nutrition. We are fortunate enough to have breakfast, as you know, served to us every day. For me, that's the first thing I do so that I can get it in my body and start that early enough that I can actually have some digestion prior to training starting, which usually starts about two hours or so after I get to the training ground. And then for me, it's I'm in the hot tub to get my body ready, to get my muscles loose. How long? Uh, I'm usually in the hot tub for like five to six minutes.
1: Oh, okay. No, so we're not like hanging out.
0: <laughs> we're not hanging out in the hot tub as much as we... No
1: candles being lit, no books being read. It You're is, like in for five and out. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's as
0: enjoyable as it sounds, but I'm, not, I'm in and out. Uh, I, at least I try to be. And then immediately I'm straight into to my pre-training routine, which involves some mobility in the gym. This machine that I use that you know about that I'm, I'm struggling to, to explain all the time. It's basically electromagnetic stem machine on steroids that does a lot more and that you can actually move in i think that's the biggest distinction between a regular stem machine and this machine is that it you can actually do functional movements like stretching while using the machine mm-hmm. but i spend about 10 minutes doing that oftentimes we have film that takes about 20 30 minutes
1: full team film for te- not always
0: full team film always. for the most part not always but i would say very very commonly it's that mm-hmm. and then just getting ready to go to train get ready to go outside and that's something that's evolved in my career and, and it's funny to watch because you see young players come in do still have the ability to sit in their locker look at their phone and then put their clothes on and get ready and go to train like
1: not everybody has such an extensive Pre training routine, is that what you're saying? Not even
0: close. Really? No, I would say probably more than half do something similar to what I do or mm-hmm. spend the amount of time that I do. But there's a lot of guys in, of different age ranges who sh- shock me in that they, they literally go from being a regular sitting in, in there, <laughs> sitting texting locker, human in the yeah, locker room, exactly. put
1: on the jersey and boom. And all that's of a sudden, they're out there.
0: It's, it's something that I did when I first came in the league and then quickly realized was not the best way for me personally to to get the most out of the session.
1: How did you decide to do all these things, trial and error? You tried the hot tub, you realized, I feel better when I start in the hot tub. Tried mobility, realized that actually makes me perform better. Did you just kind of piece it together over time?
0: Yes, there was more to it than that. I Mm -hmm. think, again, we've got a, a great staff of people who help you through figuring out what's best for your body. Each person's plan is individualized. The hot tub is one for me, personally, is one that I made a decision of. It just helps me get my body warm and ready for the mobility that I'm about to do. And this machine that I'm about to use, it just makes me feel like, okay, this is the start of my day. This is the start of getting ready for training. And um, so I use it for that. Uh, But the mobility has changed. It's changed based on the injury histories that I've had. It's changed based on the ability that, I, that I've gathered and, and the strength that I've gathered. And so it's what I think is, is a, a fine-tuned process now, but it took a long time to get there. There's no one-stop shop, as you know, for everybody in, in terms of getting yourself ready. And everybody needs different things based on their body type. Um,
1: You're pretty in tune with your body and with yourself to be able to create a routine like that and understand what works for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of being a professional athlete that involves being in tune with your body. The more in tune I think you can be with your body, the more advantageous it is to to last longer. Mm-hmm. And that that's my goal. Yeah, keep playing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Although, you're about to finish your degree, which is super exciting. So Eric has been taking courses literally since he left school in 2013 anyways he's been taking courses every semester working towards his degree and he's going to be graduating in the winter right well as long as you pass your last couple that's (laughs) true i've got two classes left yeah that
0: that every semester includes the summers which you know i i so much enjoy yeah i know that sucks but 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 you grind through you grind through i think the the thing that i'm I knew about myself early on was that if I stop, it's going to be that much harder to, to restart again. Mm. And
1: Yeah, I remember you saying that.
0: I think I took the first semester, maybe two, off from when I signed my contract because I felt like I needed to figure out what it was like to be a pro, figure out what my schedule was going to be like, figure out how much course load that I could push myself through.
1: Yeah, I think you didn't even know where you wanted to take your courses through right. anyway as well, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: And I've, I've gotten it down to now I'm taking them online through the school I went to, Indiana University. I'm two classes away now and there's <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel. Woohoo! I'm excited about uh I,
1: I can't wait to go to your graduation. Me too. You better walk. I, hope I so. want cap, gown, the whole thing. I want to see the diploma in hand. I, You've worked hard for this. I,
0: yeah, if I have the opportunity to, like I told mm-hmm. you, I, I definitely will.
1: What's the best part about your job?
0: There's so much good about my job. Mm -hmm. I I just told you about my schedule. It's a pretty
1: cool job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't even fully get to like what happens after training. We just go over that quickly. Yeah. So So you train. How long are you on the field?
0: I'm on the field for like 60 minutes to 120 minutes, depending on the day. It's a pretty big range. But when you get closer to Saturdays, we'll call it game days, Saturdays. Later in the week, like a Friday is much shorter than a Wednesday. Wednesdays are usually the day that you can get a bunch of work in because you've got enough time to recover. So usually a Wednesday will look closer to a 100 to 120-minute session, whereas a Friday will look like a 60-minute session. So that changes. But first thing I do when I finish a session is go over and make a protein shake, get that in my body. And then for me, again, I'm back on that machine for 20 minutes. The, off the STEM th- machine, you mean? Correct. Mm-hmm. Two to three days a week, I'm in the gym. One day is mostly focused on lower body. Another day is mostly focused on upper body. And probably the third day is some kind of a combination of both. Depending on the day and how my body feels, I'm either getting in the tubs, doing contrast between hot and cold, or just straight cold. Um, And then once a week, usually on a Thursday, I like to get some, like a massage, basically. Uh, A flush out of all the week that has been, and, and sort of now a refocus of your body towards feeling as good as you can on mm. Saturday and then lunch and then I'm home and my day ends at two thirty, <laughs> which goes back into I, that's a part I love about my job
1: and then you have the rest of the day to hang out with Molly I have so the rest of the
0: day to go give my energy to my beautiful dog and beautiful wife if and, I'm home and if you're home which is never <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and that's about it so uh, cool. I love that I get to play soccer for a living it's
1: so best part about your job
0: yeah, my best part about my job probably is that I get to play soccer for a living. The word job has such a weird connotation for a lot of people. And for me, it's something that I love. And if you have the opportunity to do something that you love for a living, it's the best thing in the world that you could do. And for me, I was fortunately given that opportunity. And, and earned. And mm-hmm. earned, I, I like to think as well. Mm-hmm. For
1: sure. What's the worst part about your job? There's not a whole lot. Or the hardest part about your job. How about that?
0: Uh, well, one of the two. Probably that I could get traded in any day. It's something that is not common in a lot of jobs and is one of the only negatives probably about. The
1: instability. Yeah. Being a professional
0: athlete at least in North America and in the United States. We're one of the only leagues where you can, in the world, where you can get moved on a day like today, and then have to move your life tomorrow to any number of the twenty some teams that are in the league.
1: It's such a terrifying concept. It is it's so crazy. You could just get called up, and boom, off you go. We've seen it happen to our friends
0: we've seen it happen to us we've been through it for well, well, well you can't maybe.
1: say us because i wasn't fully a part of that yet that's true that i lucked out so you went from 20, seattle right. to la right to here to toronto in the first three years of your career that was
0: 2013 2014 2015
1: 2015. and then 2015 was when i graduated so i just came straight to toronto and of course in my mind i was like well we're probably gonna move next year i have no idea because that had been the trend but then luckily we stayed
0: understandably um, yeah you felt that way i felt that way as well and
1: yeah you you almost just start to think that nowhere will be home
0: yeah it's tough for sure. There's a lot of benefits and growth that comes from that, and I'm thankful for those things. But in the, in the time, it's probably the hardest part about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes getting moved, like in case to Toronto, was the best thing that could ever happen to you. But you can get moved, like for us, to a city that we didn't know that was not too far away from where we went to school, but it felt like a foreign country. It felt like a foreign land. And it is. It Remember is.
1: I cried because I didn't think I'd be able to come with you because I didn't have a work permit. I didn't even know if I'd be able to move. Yeah. It's, I didn't know if I'd be able to work.
0: There's a so lot that, there's a lot Terrified that for sure. Yeah. And fortunately it, it's happened to be the, the best thing that's happened to us and the best thing that's happened to my career. And I feel very at home at this city now. And it's taken a lot of time to get there, and when the inevitability happens that we have to leave this place, I'll feel, feel content, like I sufficiently gave it everything I had. And mm-hmm. so, I can't say that about the last two places I was at, because I wasn't there for long enough. Um, and so I'll always have, and I think we will always have a special connection to the city because of that.
1: But,
0: 100%. But there's not a whole lot that's hard about my job, in terms of life. Um, but that's probably the hardest.
1: I have one more thing to add. It's sort of along the lines, but the other hard thing about your job, from my perspective, is that you miss events or the possibility to miss important events. So we're fortunate enough that the schedule worked out that we're going to a good friend of yours' wedding this summer because you happen to have a game on the Friday night of that weekend so we can get to the wedding. But it, there's no grace in your schedule so if you've got a game like you have no choice you're going to be at the game and even to the point where you know there are girls that are a week away from going into labor and their husband's like going to go to his game and they're like unsure if he's going to make it back to see the baby be born like their your schedule is very rigid they're not big breaks you know we can't like just go to mexico for a week in the summer you know <laughs> yeah
0: that's that's a good point I so
1: think. and i think that that's a real that's a real challenge
0: it's interesting you bring up the baby one i mean i think we have an example of that with with justin morrow who we had a game in seattle on a on a saturday and his wife was was due any day and he took the flight with us and made the decision together with him and his wife you guys
1: like i remember the game that you guys had so many injuries so it was like he had to go we needed him yeah
0: that was a game i actually scored Oh, was it? Yeah. Was not that same game? It was that same game. Sick. <laughs> um, but we lost, so... But okay, you had to add that
1: in. Just leave it at, that was the game I scored. That's true. Stop there. But, <laughs> don't no. tell the false story.
0: <laughs> but he flew with us. Either water broke or something very critical in the whole process happened. <laughs> you don't know the details, <laughs> yeah, but... I need to. And he had to hop on a plane and go straight back. And that's not a 30-minute flight. That's a five-and-a-half-hour flight. And so... To your point, we are victims of our schedule, and we were fortunate enough to play for a club that understands that there's things in life that are important. In that moment, it was most important for him to be with his wife, and they allowed him to do that. Some clubs, maybe not. Sometimes the games are, are bigger, um, and sometimes they're more important. And so it's not always as easy, and so you're right, that's, a, that's another tough part.
1: Mm -hmm. What do you do to maximize your performance on the field? And I'm talking about things that aren't necessarily at the training ground.
0: Mm. A lot of it is about how much you're on your feet once you leave the training ground. We try to find hobbies and activities that are laying around and it sounds so easy and fun this is why you all play video games (laughs) what else are you supposed to do it's a great example and it's a great it's it's a great point i am not one that games a lot but there are a lot of guys that spend hours gaming because at the end of the day you're right their their feet are up they are preparing and recovering their bodies for the next day ahead uh, which is the most important thing we can do there's also the diet portion of it what we put into our bodies very much affects us in my opinion on how we can perform the next day and so those who eat bad and junk food are the ones that don't have the longest of careers and those that understand that and do it consistently are are ones that can extend their careers longer than The average.
1: Mm -hmm. You've learned a lot in that department.
0: I have. I came into the league eating like a college kid. Yeah, well, yeah. As most college college kids do.
1: Yeah, Um, I remember, wasn't your pregame meal like Chipotle? Maybe. I swear that was the thing. Maybe. Definitely
0: wasn't college. Which isn't the worst. It's actually not that bad, but... But it's not the best. As you know, I this year sort of started a new diet and have really tried to, like you say, get in tune with my body in terms of the food I eat and being careful about consuming the right real foods as opposed to the crap that we're also commonly eating.
1: It's interesting because as an athlete, like you are so active, so you don't necessarily run this risk of gaining weight if you were to eat a lot of not great foods. Like if you were eating out every meal, I know some guys do it, eat out every meal, don't really pay attention to how much they're eating, you'd be fine. Because you're training enough, you're you're so active that it's not a deal. But it's more on the like quality side of things that you have to pay attention to because that affects your performance.
0: We're a performance-based business. Yeah, we're not in the business Which of, is, of, of making a lot of weight. pressure. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not about that. It's about how well you feel on Wednesday when you have to train hard, and how well you feel on Saturday when you have to play games. Mm. And there are many different versions of how that looks. For me, I, I've changed into this diet now where for a lot of athletes in a lot of sports, it's carbs, 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 for whatever reason in the diets of professional athletes, the first thing you think of, you need carbs.
1: Because it's the easiest way, like it's the easiest energy source for your body. Right. And, and it's easy for it to burn and so exactly. it, it generates power. It makes and, sense. And, and when I went to
0: residency when I was 14 years old, that's what I was taught. Was mm-hmm. Carbs are so important, and you need carbs before, and you need carbs after to recover. And now my diet is very little in that department. I'm, I'm more on a, I would say, a low-carb diet. As we've talked about before, wouldn't really call it a keto diet because I'm eating more carbs than, say, keto. If we
1: were guessing, you're probably not technically in ketosis all the time. Correct. Like you are eating more carbs than
0: ketosis
1: would allow exactly
0: that. but uh, the idea is that our body stores fat as energy or, or more energy in fat than they do in carbs i think there are more calories per
1: gram of fat than carbs
0: correct for us in a sport where energy is so important and in, in a sport where you can't call a timeout and go regenerate with carbs Mm -hmm. and and get more carbs into your body but a a sport that's 45 minutes a break and then 45 minutes you have to tap into those energy Mm -hmm. systems and so for me it's been an experiment if you want to call it that to see how i feel in terms of trying to tap into those energy systems i still eat carbs i mostly eat carbs in preparation for games
1: so you basically carb cycle
0: yeah i'll eat carbs as you know the night before a game um and the day of a game mostly but the rest of the week, my carbs are pretty minimal, and, and they're not grains. They're coming from vegetables. They're coming from real, good quality foods. And so that's been a big part of a change in what I've made this year. Mm-hmm. And How I've, do you feel? I felt great. I felt great. I feel fit. I feel strong. I feel healthy. And so I feel really good. Staying healthy is such an important part of your career, and every little advantage I can get is is one that I'll take and so if all is true and <laughs> it, it is what it's told to me then I have an advantage over the rest because I can tap into an energy system that I can promise you not a lot of people are doing. The US men's national team for soccer is is very much trying to get their athletes onto this diet because they they believe in it, because it's so good for a sport like ours that, like I said, doesn't take breaks.
1: You're an endurance athlete. Sure. For sure, like yes, you still have to be able to generate power, but you're running straight for 45 minutes times two, twice. Mm-hmm. That is That takes a lot of endurance. So essentially, you're giving your body space to learn how to burn fats as energy. That only really happens at its best when you don't have a ton of carbs in your system. So you're teaching your body how to do that so that when you're on the field and your glycogen stores are depleted, your body has somewhere to go mm-hmm. so you can last longer. Exactly. It's pretty cool.
0: Better way said than you, by you than me, but exactly. And that's and that's, <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to do, and, and I feel great by it. So that's been a big a big change for me. That's also been a big emphasis for me this year. And as your career goes on, it becomes ever that more important because there's a lot of miles that go on your body every year. And every year, these things, I think, become critical. The other one is is sleep. I don't know if you've talked about it on this podcast before or not, but you and I both use uh, a wearable technology called the Whoop.
1: I haven't, but I wanted to talk about it. So you I'm haven't. glad you brought it up. We haven't, no, I haven't brought it up yet. Uh, I wanted to talk about it with you because you're the one that would know what I'm talking about since you have one too.
0: Yeah, so. that's true. I, I don't think it's like a huge wearable in the market in terms of the everyday person, but it's definitely a big one for professional athletes. It's expensive, so that's part of the reason why, but it's also very, very detailed. That extra information is more important for somebody like me who, or you, who are or it's really, It's really targeted for you. Yeah.
1: I just like to pretend that I'm an athlete too, so I wear one also. <laughs> but really, this you're the market for this. You're talking about the miles that you put on your body, but that's the strain. So the cool thing about this tracker is at the end of the day, it gives you a strain score out of 21. Um, And it tells you your overall strain for the day. And it always blows my mind that like, so I'm running around from like 6 a.m. with clients and training and in and out of the house and blah, blah, blah. And maybe my strain will be a 14 or a 15 out of 21. And you went to training and you trained for maybe like an hour and a half. And you come home and then try and sit for the rest of the day and your strain is like a 17 or 18 out of 21 like you are taxing your body so much in your training session and you can see it in the data on this device i think it's the coolest thing
0: again we talked earlier about trying to find activities that are not so active because exactly that the amount of strain you put on your body in that short period of time is so excessive that it doesn't allow you to Go out and be an active person for the rest of your 12-hour day. And so it's been advantageous for me for two ways. One, because I never wore a Fitbit before, and so I never really tracked what my energy looked like or what my strain looked like outside of the hour. See, we've always had a GPS and a heart rate strap during training, and that's monitored by professionals, coaches who their job is to make sure that you hit a certain amount of sprint speed, sprint distance, load score, all kinds of things. And and they they manage that for you for the most part, but they can't manage it when you go home. And so what I learned pretty quickly was that I had such a varying level of strain on different days, like days that I was around and cleaning and taking the dog and doing all the things that we have to do in life there were times when I was doing too much on days that I didn't need to do so much, and so for me it's been important to learn that. But and now what? We're on year one and a half of, of wearing this thing, I think. Maybe two. I don't know. It's been a while. We've we, we've yeah, certainly watched yeah. the product grow mm-hmm. a lot. I think when we bought the product, it was a one-time buy, and now it's a monthly only. Yeah, we product. got
1: lucky. We got a good deal on it.
0: But the only reason, only other big reason why I wear it is sleep. I never wore a a Fitbit, like I said, or any type of a tracker that told me how much I sleep. What I learned was that when I went to bed at 10 o'clock and I woke up at eight in the morning, I used to tell myself I slept 10 hours. Well, the truth is you didn't really sleep 10 hours. You slept on a good day, maybe eight and a half. It changes your bedtime. It changes how you think about what you do prior to bed. For me, those, those two things are the most important uses of it for me to monitor the levels of activity and sleep I get outside of everything that's monitored and controlled in, in my environment at the training ground.
1: Yeah, because your day doesn't stop when you leave training. It doesn't. All the other things matter too. Exactly. What have you? What's one thing that you've changed because of the whoop?
0: I pay attention more to the strain I'm putting on my body when I leave. Uh, and I think the second is my bedtime a little bit earlier now Now a lot of times this app has a sleep coach Integrated into the app and will tell you based on the strain that you took on today And I'm able to use it during training as well, which is important. it will tell me, okay You should sleep this much because your strain was was this high and if you want to hit a certain performance tomorrow which for me is ever so important uh, then you have to you have to sleep this much. And so it's, it's forced me to realize how important bedtime is. And I'm not a huge stay up late type of person anyway, but it, it still has, has helped me structure my days in a way that have allowed me to, to get to sleep earlier. Yeah.
1: Well, also when I go to bed before 10 p.m. every night, what are you going to do without me anyway? So you might as well just go to bed.
0: Exactly. That's, you know? That was what I was going to say. But. So
1: really, yeah, you can thank me for that one.
0: 10 p.m. that's giving that's really generous to give yourself (laughs) (laughs)
1: i did say before 10 p.m (laughs) which is true
0: this this app and this device and not to continue this ad for this this device (laughs) that we've really been giving it but is it's been important for you in realizing too that you burn out if you try to stay up but also get up at Five in the morning, or whenever you're up in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's opened my eyes a lot to the the importance of sleep as well. You're just not gonna get have that recovery if you don't get in your hours. And for me, if I'm up at five a.m., that means I gotta be in bed before ten, and that's that.
0: And there's a there's a competitive edge to it as well for people like you and I, where we want to have good scores and we want to wake up and say you're recovered.
1: Who is on the Let's Keep Eric's Body Healthy team? I want to know about the people that are helping you keep your body working well.
0: There's a lot. Mm-hmm, I know. <laughs> yeah, there's Tell a lot. me
1: about the team. Who's on the squad?
0: So who's on the team? Okay, it starts with my head of sports science, whatever you want to call his title, Jim. Yeah, team. he's
1: head of head of the sports science department yeah. at TFC. Mm-hmm. He,
0: he probably is the one that most oversees everything that happens when I'm at the training ground with these devices that we see, with what he watches in terms of my preparation, my recovery, things like that. He's probably 1A in that department. Also, Tom Williams, who is our weights and conditioning coach, who is in the gym with us, hands-on with us, making sure that we are getting the proper activity in the gym that we need.
1: Does he write your workouts?
0: He writes our workouts. Mm -hmm. We have different groups of people who have different workouts based on their needs i wouldn't say it's all individualized but it's pretty individualized into small groups um mm-hmm. for for what we need because we're all different what's your group i don't even know if it has a name anymore it used oh. to but what did it used to be i think it was like uh <laughs> a lean group a power group a strength group you know different types of things like that
1: based I think. on your goals or based on your position
0: based on what you needed so
1: the power group is it the most powerful people or the least powerful people?
0: Uh, <laughs> like, is it based I, on what you need? It's the people that need power.
1: Right. What are you lacking? Right. So you don't know where you're in right now.
0: I don't think there's names anymore. Oh. Okay. But there just, there's just a list of, of, of pictures of... And then a workout underneath it. Got and it. That's, that's your job is to do that work.
1: And you have to guess why you're in that group.
0: So after those two, if you ignore the coaching staff, who obviously it's important for them to to put the soccer out there. They don't they don't, as, they don't pay as much attention. It's not their job to pay as much attention to my body and and what's best for my body. So after that, it's therapists, athletic trainers. For me, Carm Carmelo, who's been at the club for. Maybe the whole entire existence. Oh my gosh!
1: I think he, yeah, I think he's been with TFC since it's been a team. Right. He, I'm pretty sure he told me that. He's my
0: guy. He's someone that I see once to twice a week on good week, which is a good thing. He's someone that if I sprain my ankle and I need ice, or if I need a massage or whatever it may be, he's who I see. So he's your hands-on. treatment Levels guy. my hips, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Oh. Uh, and then we've got a couple more whom are not there every day, but are there at least once a week. And one of them is someone that's special to both of us, and that's Gus.
1: I love Gus. Yeah. He's the best. Gus is <laughs> the
0: best. He is a... He's uh, an osteopath. He's an osteopath, which I had no idea what it was before I saw him. And as Gus would tell you, after I left seeing him, I was like, that was the weirdest thing I've ever done. in my you life." You were a little and, unsure and at and first. nothing happened. You were
1: like, uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> but now I couldn't imagine... That was kind of woo-woo. Yeah. If, if anybody's seen an osteopath, they would know and yeah. they would understand that it's it's different, but it's doesn't mean it's not effective. Mm-hmm. And Gus went from somebody who we had to drive an hour and a half to, to now being somebody that is at the club two days a week and sees everybody. And it's been one of the greatest things that's happened to our club, in my opinion, in terms of trying to keep people healthy yeah. and, and performing at their highest level, because... Wow. His, whole, his whole thing is about making sure that everything in your body is operating together and efficiently. And if one thing is off, the rest of your body will be thrown off. And that's where injuries start. You can use him for maintenance of injuries, but you can also use him for the prevention of injuries. And he's been a big part of both of those for me. And then the last and final guy is the guy that, that oversees this art machine for me. He's the one that tells me how to use the machine, because as, as you could tell, I don't know too much about it. And he's the one that makes sure that I'm using it properly. Other than that, I think the last person on the team is probably you, because you're the one that really cooks my meals.
1: I'm on the team?
0: You're on the team.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Because you're the... Sh- I'm
1: so flattered. The
0: grandiose chef I'm that's making me like really special <laughs> and healthy meals.
1: Even when they have to fit to a specific low-carb diet, exactly. I like, figure it out.
0: Because it's so far away <laughs> from your diet.
1: No, it's not. No, we <laughs> eat so similarly now. It's kind of nice, actually. Yeah,
0: it's actually probably the first time that we've actually been... That
1: I don't have to make two meals. Yeah. Yeah, because it used to be... So many carbs for you, and then I didn't want all that. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks for putting me on the team. You're on the team. Wow. Yeah. I feel so honored. I have a couple of listener questions. Okay. First one's easy. What club do you support?
0: Barcelona. As you know, I watch every game they play. I try not to take advantage or take for granted who Lionel Messi is because I think he's the greatest player to ever live, and he's a genius and I want to watch him every time he plays Mm
1: -hmm. you pretty much do I pretty much do I also
0: love Gerard Piquet Mm -hmm. center back who plays for them I try to model my game similarly to, to the way he plays and so he killed two birds with one stone by watching the same team and they also happen to be the best team in the world so it's pretty it's pretty fun and easy to watch
1: yeah for sure and hopefully we're gonna go see Barcelona play live. That's the goal. Can I put that out into the universe? You can
0: put that in the universe because I think I'm putting that point. What? You're gonna hold me to it at that. Exactly.
1: I think I'm putting it out there, so it's happening. Okay. No problem. (laughs) Perfect. How do you handle the pressure? The pressure. And I assume the pressure means the pressure of walking out onto the field in front of twenty plus thousand people of having to having what you do and your job security based on performance. How do you handle it?
0: At BMO, it's 30,000 people on average. In Seattle and Atlanta, it's upwards of 60 to 70,000. So I way
1: undershot it with 20.
0: Whoops. Well, the, the thing about it for me is there's a certain number that after you hit that, if you get more people, it feels the same. Yeah, like you don't notice? It's so... I mean, you're in front of You a lot say of that
1: until you get in front of like 100 and then... That's true. Then you'll know. get in front of 100 and then I'll yeah.
0: But yeah, no, I think... It's nerve-wracking when I think you're walking onto the field, the game hasn't started, and the national anthems are going, Mm. and you're watching the crowd react to all of it. But the minute that the competition starts, for for most of us, it's business as usual. It's something we've done for, for example, for me, 23 years of my life, which is playing the game I love uh, and trying to give. Everybody that's in the stands the best show they can possibly have and the excitement of winning that, that we all so crave. It's a, a lot about just focusing in on what I need to do best and ignoring the outside. And it sounds so much harder than it is but once you step in between the lines you start to understand that it's just another game. And, and as you get more experienced you, you realize that as amazing and fun and impactful the fans are at times It it shouldn't change the way you play.
1: Mm, shouldn't. How much do you notice the fans throughout the course of a game?
0: Uh, I don't notice them a ton. Uh, When the energy starts to raise, you can certainly feel it. We're fortunate to play in front of a crowd that does that really well Mm -hmm. and has carried us in ways that we can only... Be thankful for because it, it provides us an extra spark, an extra energy boost that allows us to to go in and, and sometimes win a game. The Canadian Championship last year, without the energy of the crowd, I don't think we win that game because we were starting to stagnate. The game was starting to stagnate, and, and we were tied, and we needed a burst of energy, and they gave it to us.
1: So you feel it. You feel it more yeah. than
0: more than you look out at it. Mm. it. It's hard to explain, but that's the best way I can. And what I've done. As my career has gone on, and I think I've told you this before, is every game before the game I take a moment to look around at the crowd and try to recognize the crowd, and just be thankful for for the ability to again play the game I love in front of so many people.
1: It's pretty special.
0: It
1: is. What's the hardest game you've ever played in?
0: In Tigres, I don't even remember the score of the game. I just remember being chaotic. I think mm-hmm. they won three two or something, but we were we won the series. Yeah, you guys, we yeah, off,
1: barely but, pulled it out. That's right. But,
0: but we had uh, some special Sebastian Jovinko goals which put us in a good position and we sort of just had to hang on for our dear life and I guess the team that's probably the most talented in North America at their home place which is crazy and rocking in Mexico I think it was probably one of the hardest if not the hardest games probably I ever played because of the stage because of the environment because of the quality of the opponent to get out of there after winning a series was was also one of the greatest accomplishments.
1: What's the best game you've ever played in?
0: I don't know. Really? I don't know.
1: Wow that was hard. I know it was tough. What's why? What's going through your head?
0: I've got a lot but I don't necessarily have a clear-cut favorite. Mm -hmm. I loved every minute of MLS Cup Final 2016. Until the last second.
1: Regulation minute. Exactly. Until the stupid PKs. I loved. Yeah,
0: that's fair. I loved every minute, including the ending of the college national championship game I played in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's been some special ones, like I alluded to, with the Canadian champ la- Championship last year, where the energy of the crowd was just different. It's so dependent on that. I think the crowd doesn't realize how important it is to the experience of the player. That's why we do it. Ultimately, we do it. So,
1: so you do people. notice the crowd more than you let on. Like you, you dial in on the job that you have to do, but you feel the crowd.
0: Usually, when the crowd's going wild, that means things are going well. Mm. And so I associate the crowd going wild.
1: Gives with you some confidence. Things going well. I and, see. And,
0: and usually, the games that you win are the most fun games. Mm-hmm. Well, so. Of course,
1: or the ones we score in
0: as long as you win. It's no longer my job to just score goals. It used to be. Now it's my job to yeah. stop
1: goals. Yeah, it's not as fun. It's not, not as glamorous. It's not quite as glamorous as but just as important. But just as People important. just don't realize it. Exactly. Yeah. What makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning? I ask everybody this question.
0: Do you? Mm-hmm. One, I love my job. I love the game of soccer. And I'm thankful and honored every day to wake up and be able to go do that. My family, which includes my dog. Yeah, I knew we were gonna say Molly. (laughs) Molly. You could
1: have just started there. You can just say Molly's the reason you're
0: excited to get out of bed. (laughs) You and a kitty cat that I can't go through my family and not not mention. So I think the amount of love I have for my job and my family and my life, I think, are are the biggest motivators for me to get out of bed and, and become a better player a better person a better husband a better everything every single day
1: what happens after soccer
0: who knows (laughs) i'm getting my degree
1: you're getting that degree
0: i've got a lot of great connections i know a lot of great people i am a firm believer that you can do anything you put your mind to i have put my mind to soccer at the moment and that's where it, it is and that's where all my full focus is at the moment but once it ends we'll see
1: do you want to stay in something surrounding the game, or not even sure? Is that up in the air?
0: Maybe. Mm. I feel like part of me wants to give back to the game that's given me so much. Mm. Similarly to, to the way that, that Greg is now, and, and my dad still is. I, I, I'm not married to the idea, but I also wouldn't mind giving back to the game.
1: Mm. How do we see you play? How do we support TFC?
0: So, our games are at BMO Field. Our schedule's online, but you can usually see us on Saturday afternoons or nights. Mm-hmm. If you can't make it to the game in Canada on TSN something, four. I can't tell you. I would on know two, better than him. Four, four, TSN 4, TSN normally. TSN 4. Yeah. And if you're in And the, you also
1: tour around the States. Exactly. So I tour around the States. Coming to a city near
0: you. So if you want to take a vacation and go see an American city in conjunction you're with... You're selling game, a short,
1: babe. I'm talking about all the listeners all over the United States... Then Chicago and Columbus and Cincinnati, they're already there, and you're going to come travel to them. I
0: will travel right to you. There you go. Into your backyard (laughs) for you listeners in those special MLS cities.
1: Coming to a field near you. Coming to a field near you. Thanks, babe. It's been a pleasure. Do you have anything else to add?
0: No, not really. I think I'm excited for you. I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited for the world to hear everything you have to give them which is plenty and for the really interesting guests that you've had so far and you have lined up ahead
1: thanks so much for listening everybody if you're liking what you're hearing on how do you feel please subscribe rate and review those ratings and reviews really do go a long way especially because this is a new podcast Just a reminder that we release a new episode every Monday. So first thing Monday morning episode comes out so that you have the rest of the week. If you'd like to follow along, you can follow at KCM Zav on Instagram or at How Do You Feel podcast on Instagram. Thanks again, guys. Make sure that you get out there and go do something that makes you feel good today.